I like that. Can I get a 10? 10? <laughs> yeah, I thought that was all you were going to get. <laughs> I wasn't sure what to do, so then I started counting down because I realized I'd started at the top. Nice. Coming to you live from Mission Control. <laughs> Count down to launch. T minus zero. Go. Okay. <laughs> what? <laughs> How late is too late to drink coffee, in your opinion? Or It is already past that time. Don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, JJ, how's it going? Oh, hello. Yes. Hi. Oh, yeah, hi. Hi, Michael. How's it going? Pretty good. How you doing? I, uh, I'm wondering if it would be illegal for the Girl Scouts to give me cookies that were caffeinated. That's what I'm wondering. It's uh, it's that time of year where we get taken advantage of by little children with sugar in boxes. Yeah. Yeah. Would it be uh, illegal? No. Deceptive? <laughs> it says it on the box. <laughs> Maybe. What do, you, what do you guys gravitate to when it's Girl Scout time? Because no one can say no forever. Eventually, you get asked by one person that you're just like, all right, fine. I, I'm a thin mint, dude. I'll leave it. I'll, I'll, I'll lead it off while you think about it. Thin the mints. Classic. Thin mints I mean, are the not classic a, because they're there's easy. There's only two that I think I really like, and neither of them are thin mints. Really? Yeah. Okay. They're so good. I, and I'm not a chocolate. They're fine. Yeah. They're, they're just chocolate, man. I'm not yeah. a chocolate thing. Fair enough. They're- and the two that are the best are Tagalongs and Samoas. Those are, are the two. Which ones are Tagalongs? Are those the chocolate covered peanut, peanut, peanut butter, butter ones, ones or the, the regular peanut butter ones? The chocolate-covered peanut butter ones. Oh, I like the peanut butter sandwich more than the chocolate-covered one. Hey, that's a legitimate point of view, and you can have that, but I disagree. But Samoas are the other one that I really, really like. Yeah, those are the coconut and chocolate and caramel and... Yep. Yeah, those are good. Uh-huh. Might yeah, be for good. me, it's it's got to be Thin Mints and oh, yeah. uh, uh, Trefoils, the shortbreads. That one I could leave. Shortbread? Yep. Yeah, the shortbread I mean, one. Yeah, they just it's a, just plain cookie, right? I, I mm-hmm. to be clear, I don't think there are very many bad Girl Scout cookies. You could just leave like any of them out, and I would eat them. Sure, but there are some that I would like less, and that is one of the lower ranked ones. If I had to rank them all, no, no Girl Scout cookie is a food crime. Let's say. Uh, reminder at the front of this: still taking uh, arguments proposed. Uh, the Supreme Court of Food Rules is uh, taking. Taking uh, what are those? What do you call them? Prospectuses arguments. Well, the, when when uh, lawyers can hey, send, send in the things, oh, like man. a request for uh, amicus briefs. Amicus whatever. brief. That's what we need. Yes, uh, on our food rules of number one: no food for the gram, and two: don't imposter. Uh, food for the gram. To clarify, is not you taking a picture of your food and putting it online or something you cooked. It's like making wacky things for clicks, right? Is that right, Michael? Yeah. Yeah. Solely for clicks. Yeah. That's Michael's rule. So I wanted to clarify. And don't imposter. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say like about the gram one. It's especially important because there are tons of people making food to show off. Like, look at this cool thing that I made. And it's like you and your spouse in their house by yourself. And it's a entire kitchen island full of nachos like you're just going to throw these away why did you do this mm-hmm. like that no one wants to eat that you know yeah that's gross don't yeah. do that yeah okay and uh don't imposter rule still somewhat open to interpretation though uh lightly defined as foods that are other things pretending to be something they're not calling things a burrito when maybe they aren't a burrito etc calling things eggs when they are in eggs. fact not eggs at all <laughs> we might have to define it more that yeah we'll see based on some comments i've gotten we might have to uh rejigger the rule a little bit to specify that more than the other let's say all right food food over food done for today y'all we finally did it we finally got news that we want to talk about before we sit down to chat. 
they successfully announced news before we recorded the podcast. I feel like this in 295 episodes never happened one time. It's it's to be celebrated. Sony's buying Bungie. Yeah, how about mm-hmm. that for a counterpunch? I don't know that it's quote unquote a counterpunch. Uh, three billion versus thirty billion is a little bit of a different. So the information that I read about this deal to like put some like timing on this, it sounds like this has been uh, according to people who would know, you know, on the internet. Uh, this deal has been in the works for months, like five or six months, mm-hmm. which means that this is probably more of a reaction to Microsoft buying Bethesda than it is a reaction to Microsoft buying Activision Blizzard. That makes some sense. Good uh, point. Okay. Yes, because then when Microsoft bought Bethesda, they're like, and everything Bethesda owns is on Game Pass immediately, and everything going forward is exclusive. So this would make sense for a tit-for-tat on that level, for sure. Right, and you know, Bethesda was like 7-whatever, something like that, billion. This is like 3-point-whatever something billions, Mm -hmm. which is not... Those are in the same ballpark, unlike the 70 or whatever, which is some kind of... Yeah. That's a different game. (laughs) Uh, 40, but uh, it... No, wait, 70, you're right. Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking... What was I thinking? 44. Um, It feels more like, though, Sony's buying manpower than it does Microsoft's purchases, which felt more like IP purchases to me. Like, a Bethesda is part of a huge conglomerate of companies with tons of IPs and a Bungie has destiny, you know, cause <laughs> Microsoft yeah. owns the IP for their most famous game. Right. Sure. But destiny by all accounts is like extremely popular uh, and oh, makes I believe a lot of money. I absolutely would not down. And I mean, there it's world of guess. Warcraft level popular for sure. Oh yeah, totally. Except no monthly fee, which is kind of weird, yeah. but you know, the, uh, or maybe they've come up with battle passes or something at this point. I don't know. I don't play that game. But the the important thing is that, like, well, like, what if Destiny 3 wasn't on Xbox? You know, PC and, and Sony platforms, right? Sure. But, like, oh, not not on Xbox now. Hmm. You know, so, it, like, I I imagine they've made a whole bunch of, you know, uh, Bungie and Sony put out statements, you know, oh, of course... The next, you know, they're not going to change Destiny 2. They're going to keep it the same game for everyone. There's no exclusive content or whatever. You know, they're, they're, Bungie will still be a multi-platform studio able to publish titles wherever they want, yada, yada. But, like, you know how that works. You know. <laughs> the corporate overload's like, mm, but what if you didn't do the development on this Xbox One mm-hmm. or you took the resources away from it and put it over here where we want you to use all these cool PlayStation features and, like, technically support the xbox controller (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean you know yeah um i don't think it's like earth shattering news but it was finally some sort of news that i would want to talk about and just say oh interesting i wonder what they'll have them make next other than destiny 3 because it doesn't feel like you buy a bungee and you're just like continue to make destiny only i mean unless destiny is literally a money printer right (laughs) like you don't know yeah, that's true. Is it a money but, printer uh, if you lock it onto one thing? I think that conversation with Microsoft about Call of Duty was, uh, no, it's not. So keep it open. Yeah. And you're probably totally right, right? Like they have some kind of upcoming thing that Sony's like, hmm, this is ours now. It hasn't been announced. We can do whatever we want with it, right? That would make some sense. I don't know. Or they decide whatever the next thing after that thing is now going to be theirs, right? Yeah. You know, you're betting on the future there, and it's a studio that has developed well-liked games recently. You can definitely say that, right? I think it kind of fits nicely into something I've wanted to talk about with you guys for a while, which was that I read um, a book that multiple times talks about acquisitions and what horrible damage it has done to the people that work at the companies that are acquired. <laughs> yeah, I can believe that. Yeah. Um, Michael, you know Jason Schreier articles pretty well, usually. Uh, yeah. He wrote that book, Press Reset. Uh, he's written other books as well, but um, the most recent one, I think, is Press Reset. Um, Noted liker of Sui Coden 2, Jason Schreier. <laughs> uh, Smart man. 
<laughs> Smart man. You're right. Very well connected in the industry at this point. Seems to be the go-to guy for breaking news. Uh, kind of behind the scenes news, I guess. Uh, wrote this book about kind of what happens to the people less than the companies, I guess. Uh, at these companies that get either shut down or acquired or downsized or go through lack of leadership, etc. There's a huge list of studios in this, including ones that made famous games like, oh, I don't know, Bioshock or, uh, mm-hmm. you know, uh, the guys that made, uh, you, you, you've heard the name War Inspector before and his experiences making things like Epic Mickey and uh, the dramas there and the people connected to these dramas, not just the big people at the top that, you know, are insulated a little bit. Really uh, burying the lead there with Warren Spector. Warren Spector, <laughs> the creator of Deus Ex, like D. <laughs> sure. Uh, I'm sorry. I mean, I would, the story that he wrote mostly was about Epic Mickey because of the sprawl of other stories that came out of Disney trying to make games and then not trying to make games and how many people lost their jobs all because, you know, of the, the fighting at the top. Right. Oh, I got you. Okay. So the yeah. story was around that right. particular. Time. I mean, he definitely follows Warren Spector's story, starting with Deus Ex and going through how Spector lost out on two companies and had to fire a bunch of people at multiple companies trying to make games. Um, mm-hmm. But they don't really follow any of those people until he gets to the Epic Mickey fallout. And then he starts to branch off into people that end up at other companies and then get laid off from those companies and move around the country just trying to keep jobs for two years at a time. Uh, The book in itself is a strong argument for the video game industry to look at Hollywood and possibly uh, create union positions that would then allow these people to move around much more easily and keep benefits and stuff like that. Uh, it works there and it seems like it would work at least for the employees, <laughs> uh, to do that kind of system for oh making no. games. What will the CEOs do with less yachts? Uh, but one story in there that I really wanted to mention because we talked about Epic games a couple times since I've read this book and it reminds me of it now with this Bungie Sony thing. Uh, do you, uh, Michael, you probably, do you remember 38 Studios, Michael? Does that sound familiar? It does ring a bell. Uh, maybe possibly that game you were just recently playing that had an HD remake? Yeah, a little bit of Kingdoms of Amalur. Uh-huh. Uh, 38 Studios features very prominently in this book. Hmm. <laughs> Let's say. Okay. And the Man. insanity that was, uh, uh, What's his name? Kurt, whatever. Kurt Schilling. Kurt Schilling. There we go. There we go. Baseball's Kurt Schilling. Yeah. Baseball's Kurt Schilling's vanity project. And it really turns out to have been a vanity project. Um, trying to kill off World of Warcraft with no no business sense. Uh, one of the companies in there that they talk about is called Big Huge Games. Which yeah. is the exact company that made Kingdoms of Amalur. And what happens to them in this story is really heart-wrenching. It is a story like a company like Bungie who had Kingdom Zamler in the works was getting shut down because they were part of THQ. Well, THQ went belly up and big, huge games was like, well, we have this game that's like 98% done. And so 38 studios steps in, they take over. They're like, Hey, we, we got you. We'll, all of you keep your jobs. We're going to use Kingdom of Amalur to make our other game as well. And everybody's going to be cool and copacetic. 38 blows through all their money. Kingdom of Amalur comes out. Can't possibly make enough money to save the parent company. And within, I think it was like within two years. Maybe, yeah, like two to three years. They're being told they're getting shut down again. Swoop in the... uh, Epic Games is going to save the day and they're going to come in and and they tell everybody at Big Huge Games, "Hey, you know, we're going to uh we're going to come in. Yeah, all of you'll keep your jobs. We'll probably downsize you into a different studio to save some money, but you're going to um 
you're going to try and reboot a franchise for us, etc. I don't remember the name of the game that they were going to try and make. Uh, it was some franchise. I think within a year, they shut them down again. <laughs> the story part of this with Epic Games is really worth reading uh, for some people that maybe think that um, Tim Sweeney's uh, fighting with Apple, etc., is altruistic. Might want to read. Tim Sweeney's fight with Apple is because Tim Sweeney wants more money. That's why. Yeah. yeah. No and other maybe- reason. Maybe you want to read about what the CEO of that company did to some people that were in charge of that company that uh, tried to help make some really cool games. You know? (laughs) Uh, I'll get a cease and desist letter for that one. But it's in the book. I'm just repeating what the book says. It's a good book. Not going to get a cease and desist for talking about a book you read. Yeah. Um it was very interesting to read what happened, especially to big, huge games and uh, epic mega games, right, JJ? Yeah, that was their name like a hundred years ago. Yeah, before they just became Epic Games, but yeah, it used to be called Epic Mega Games. I think it was Again, Mark. So much, so much a better name. Why'd they get rid of it? Yeah, they they had a bunch of people in charge there that actually seemed like they knew what they were doing, and then all of a sudden they would just lay people off. Uh, and that's it. So, like, the guy that told Big Huge Games to come on, I don't remember his name, but he, he brings in you know, Big Huge Games and they're going to make a whole bunch of franchises. And then, uh, nah, they just they lay that guy off and ask him to leave. And then they just lay off the 200 employees from that other place. No problem. I really hope stuff like that doesn't happen to Bungie. That's what I'm saying. And I think the, like, the real thing about video games is that it is such a boom and bust cycle that mm-hmm. like if you make a huge game and it does well, everything is great until you make the next huge game and it doesn't do well. And then people are on the street <laughs> or yep. like, that's well, how bad it is, man. One of the things in the book was I can, uh, a, a guy like Warren Spector was, you know, he's interviewed in this book and he said, I can make a game increase profits. I can make every game every two years and every two years I'll make 15% more money than I did last time. It'd be profitable. They don't want you to do that. They want you to make 50, a hundred percent more money than last time. Yeah. They need to be making a thousand percent of what they put in. Right. And 15%, who cares? No one, that's like not, that's like literally that's making money. Like you're succeeding. But they don't care. It's not succeeding not enough. enough. So they nope. just throw you out on the street. Yep. Uh, another interesting anecdote from that press reset book was uh, not related to mergers and acquisitions. But JJ, you and I had a discussion with uh, some a fan of the MechWarrior online uh, community mm-hmm. who uh, I very I was trying to nicely point out that the business model of games that are not quadruple a or whatever level of, you know, games that have to sell billions of copies on the first day, you know, like a God of war, uh, a mech warrior. Isn't a God of war. Uh, press reset talks about a game called, I don't know if you guys have heard about in enter the gungeon. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. That's okay. a popular one. Yeah, it is. I think it, I, I, I own multiple copies of that game. It is and continues to be a popular one. And one of the things that this guy says, or uh, Schreier points out in the book in his interview with the developers of Enter the Gungeon is they had left to make that game on their own, right? It was an indie development and it didn't sell and they thought they were going to go out of business immediately and like they didn't know what they were going to do and they started to take on like contract work to try and keep the doors open and all that sort of stuff. And then all of a sudden it started to trickle up and trickle up and trickle up and more money starts to just sort of trickle in all the time and then all of a sudden it becomes a kind of a steady stream right so the business model uh that we had the discussion about that i tried to nicely point out is not always 85 to 90 percent of the sales in the first week anymore a lot of the time it's a slow steady word of mouth pace of stuff like that and so he points out these types of business models with flame in the flood and enter the gungeon and all these other ones that become popular later and keep their studios open by basically giving them uh what do you call it? A, uh, 
cash uh, flow. Well, cash flow is the right word, but I was thinking of they um they have a word for it. I my brain is like not so good. When you have, you know, like a set income thing coming to you later in life. <laughs> you're thinking you're of, talking about royalties. No, not royalties. No, he's thinking even you think even annuity. Yeah, which is not the right term. The correct no. term is like revenue stream. <laughs> yeah, the correct term is, as a business is a revenue stream. Uh, but it's almost like an annuity or something like a, a fixed income later on that just keeps the doors and lights on, you know? Right. The idea is that there's just money coming in from some other source and you don't have to like actively maintain it. Right. You just get money from, yeah. you know, this thing being generally popular. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, the problem is, you know, for every studio that hits one of those, there's probably 50 or a thousand or, you know, a hundred games that don't and they do just go out of business. 100% absolutely. But the idea that we were discussing in that thread was that front loaded sales are the only way that games make money. And it's like, well, no, not really anymore. You know, and it, all of that discussion isn't going to matter anymore now that we've had this Microsoft buyout of, you know, a major publisher and, things switch over to subscription and we'll see what it's like to have a Netflix like service finally for real. And what that means for independent, especially games like enter the gungeon, how they make money going forward. Like, okay, yeah, you got on the service. How do you make money once you're on the service that keeps the lights on? Basically Schreier's going to have to write another book for me to read. That's what I'm saying. I'm sure he's already in drafts. <laughs> man is, will not man be has written. Thing. The man has written and will continue writing, I'm sure. Yeah. I just thought it was funny. I was like, oh, man, Kingdom's Valor. Like, Michael should read this book. He loves that game. Yeah. You should read about the horrible things that happened to the people that made it. <laughs> oh, I've, I've heard a bunch of them. There's a lot of that book. Yeah. It's time to talk about Act 2. It, this is well, the spoiler warning for Inscription. Just FYI for anyone that hasn't played it. Okay. Have we left enough time? Act two, Michael. Well, I was going to say, we uh, last time we talked, you hadn't finished act one yet. So <gasps> you escaped from the cabin. Oh, yeah. So I don't know if I got everything to get out of there. Uh, but I definitely... So Last time, last chance. I uh, did use the knife. I did not need to, but I uh, got to... Where'd I get to? I got to the moon again on my next run, the very next run after we talked. Well, the only thing I haven't used is the knife. So let's use this dumb knife. No, I couldn't have gotten to the moon. I got to the... No, because it wouldn't have done anything. I got the... What did I get? It it was the one right beforehand with all the singing heads. uh, The trapper. The trapper, yeah. 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 It was the trapper fight. And I thought, oh, this is my last chance to really need to use it. And so I used it in the trapper fight and then I got up from the trapper fight and I could see things with the weird new eyeball, uh, on the clock. So I set the clock to the time and I got the wolf. Interesting. Did he offer you the magical eye right off? I had to use the knife like multiple times before he gave me that, that eye. Oh, interesting. No. I mean, there was one that was in the box that was glowing. So yeah, yeah. I, I I got the first time I used the knife it was just a bunch of eyes like mm. weird looking eyes, but normal eyes. Well, normal. None of them were normal. You know what I mean? They were, they were weird eyes, but not that particular one. Okay. And the second time it came around, Oh, that one, like I used the knife again and it was there. Oh, you had to use it twice. Uh, huh. maybe cause I, I had, had to, beaten him yeah. once already. Yeah. I don't know. I, I don't know what the like steps are or whatever to get him to give you different things. It was very obvious that that was the one I should pick. It was a staring at me and glowing. Yeah. <laughs> They don't they make it. They make it real easy to choose. Yeah, it's <laughs> not. They're not. Uh, they're not subtle. Yeah. So uh, then I got the the dog. Did you find the other thing in the clock? There's two things in the clock. There See, are two things I knew. in the clock. So this is what I thought. There are two things in the clock, but they're all only the markings were set to one time on the clock. Mm-hmm. So the other time is on the table. Right before, I think what it's right table? before the 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 table it, that you're playing the game on. It's in the book, Michael. Is it in the book? I thought it was on the I table. Looked through, like right I looked you through the, the last. The I, safe code is in the book. Yes. Oh no! Yeah, you're right. The safe code is in the book. The, I went. No. The time on the table is like in the. It's right like before you get woods. to the last boss. Yeah. Oh, it's um, but yeah, you pull back and look at the table, 
at a specific time. Yeah, and oh. it tells you a time to set the clock to. Okay, I didn't get that. See, I told you I missed stuff in the thing, but I eventually it was just like I, I now I'm gonna beat him a second time. I knew I knew that the cuckoo clock had only opened on the bottom, but I figured, okay, well, I mean, I'll just try and beat him again if I still don't have everything out of the clock or somewhere, well, I mean, or like if, if I need to. The wo- if you got the wolf and the film canister, you were good. Yes, I, you I definitely what the got film out. Canister was about once I, you got that right. Yes, because I had tried to use the camera on the previous run, and he just took it away from me. Right. So I got that part and then I figured like well if if I missed anything that I needed it'll kick me back. Uh, I'm sad that I didn't get to do more than one of the painting things cuz I only got the I know there were I know there were multiple patterns because I saw multiple patterns, but I only got one pattern done before I ended up leaving. So the I got the flower so I could repick, which was cool. I wish I'd had that earlier on. But I think that's all the painting is. I don't think there's no, other things. No, the painting gives you two more things, I think. Oh. Uh, it gives you a... Um, there are three markings on the bottom of the painting, and they get f- one of them got filled in. So I assumed yeah. there were three times I could do it. So one of them gives you a candlestick, okay. oh, which an extra adds candle. an extra life. Yep. Cool. And then the last one, and this was the coolest one to me, turns your squirrels into bees. And bees are squirrels with a one one that can fly. Yes, that would be cheating. although okay. I, I never got that far. That's crazy. But then there are then times though when you don't want them flying. So yeah. I I really liked the bees, but I liked the fact that the squirrels were on the ground in case I needed them to to be sacrificed. Well, also you would need an insect totem then to use anything with them. Right, and you you get an insect totem. Sure, you could. Um, but you have to get it per run, whereas you start with a squirrel totem. Sure. Okay. What well, what what was in the clock that I missed? There is an actual ring in the clock. Oh, yes. for, the, uh, a, for the for the ring blessing. thing for the ring right. test or whatever. And the other uh, things you can use that are the ring worm. Oh, okay. Uh-huh, counts sure. as a ring, and yep. also Ouroboros counts as a ring. If you have either of those in your deck, it, it will pass that. Pass. I always failed whatever one I chose in the second round. The two times I fought him, I failed the second round of test questions. So is as the runs keep going, also you encounter that blessing mechanic or like boon mechanic earlier in the runs as well. The oh, really? blessings aren't as powerful as the ones that guy gives you mm-hmm. uh, if you pass. But you can get little things like, oh, you just yeah, gain, you start with a bone. You start with like a bunch of bones. Or yeah, I, I remember one that. You like you know, oh, the you cave. get some free blood or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was, I mean, very easy. Act one was pretty easy. Once you figure out how to actually do the escape room part, uh, the game isn't that hard uh, overall. The game wants you to succeed. And you can see by the, like, kind of stuff that they give you. Like, an extra life is huge. Yep. And, like, give it, like turning your squirrels into flying bees is just, like, Okay, whatever. Let's just like ignore all the enemies. You just win with squirrels, probably at that point. It's like, it's, it's kind of a cheat code. I was able to beat him without most of the tools, so it felt like I was you know missing something more than I was missing, which was hey, you have to use the tools that are for people that are having trouble. <laughs> yeah, I mean you you used the tool of your brain to intuit a way to win with the yeah. tools you had. Right, that's all you needed. And you got to act two, which is so. You know, at, so then the end of act one, was it not the same for everyone else? I, I got stuck. I, t- I texted Michael because I got out of the cabin and then I was in a dark room and I couldn't leave it. No, I, I think that's, I think that's just the way it happens. You have to reset it to, to you get have, out of it. You have a room. Yeah. There is a thing there. The thing you click on is the new game button. Well, once you once you beat him, it gives you the new game button, and then, and then I went through a portal into a black room. Yes. And then you have to just quit the game, basically, right? Yes. Okay. Making sure that, that is wasn't intended. All right. they, yeah. in- yeah. they are intending you to quit and start a new game at that. Got point. it. And then new game means Act Two, and more videos from Luke Carter. <laughs> Act Two is interesting, yeah. Michael. It is, uh, it's not at all like Act 1. Are you still in Act 2 with me? I am still in Act 2. I have one more of the bosses to beat. Okay. I've, I've beaten all the minions, but I just haven't beaten the, the So boss. it was cool. I did not uh, envision the game changing to like an 8-bit map 
and then like all the stuff from the first game being on it and it being more of a story-based extension of the first one it was cool to see all the cards like stoat and all that like represented as new things the wolf and the stink bug and all them obviously were characters that were stuck in leshy's game with their with his camera and all that uh the game changes quite a bit i mean not in its base mechanics but quite a bit actually with adding new 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 mechanics you guys had hinted at like energy gems or moxes or whatever you want to call them yep yeah so you suddenly have options of of different types of decks that you can play it might be in a way you can't really cheat cheat like you can in the first one but also the game is so wide open it's just like cheating all the time because the combos of cards are so crazy that you can make a thing I didn't realize is the deck that you start with changes depending on the scribe that you pick at the Correct. beginning of that second thing part. I went with the robot. Yeah. Who did you pick, Michael? Uh, I also went with the robot. So oh, we both interesting. Got energy decks. Both did. So I picked the wizard guy. Cool. Let me tell you, I wouldn't recommend picking the wizard guy. <laughs> I think the deck is really weak. Like, I after having played with it a bunch, like once you start getting other cards, like you go to the other, you know, you go, go to Leshy's area or uh, Grimora's area. And then all of a sudden you start combining those other cards in there and you're like crazy overpowered. But, oh man, dude, those wizard cards are so hard to use. You have to take up a spot with a, the mocks on the board before you can play any of your other cards. Mm-hmm. Uh, what a hassle, man. Not, not my favorite mechanic. It seems like it would not gel well like the others do. Like energy and blood gel well together. Blood and bone gel well together. Yeah. The yeah. wizard stuff is good once you start getting more of the wizard cards that like, that like, there are, there are rare cards in that time and there are in, in that section of the game. And some of the rare wizard cards count as multiple of the gem types. So you can play like one card and it counts as two gem types. Then the deck is good and you can start doing stuff with it. But it definitely seems like the, not as good as the other ones. It definitely seems to me like the card management and stuff like that does not really entice me to stick around and act to and collect everything. Even though I have already figured out an infinite uh, farming mechanic <laughs> for getting cards. Yes. I would say you want to make sure you do everything. But once you have done everything, there's not a lot of purpose to sticking around in Act 2 other than you're having fun. Well, let's talk about doing everything. Uh, Michael, what you I, got? I stumbled into some hidden areas. Uh, JJ okay. can sit, sit back and uh, laugh, maybe, because I haven't found everything yet. But, well, let's let's say, have you found any hidden areas? Yes. Yes, I have. Were they located near Leshy? Yes. One of them was. Okay. I did not find other ones. Uh, I missed the chum bucket thing by a few pixels and ended up walking past it. Okay. Ouch. Into the woods. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I find yourself in a, in a clearing. Yeah, with a little picture. Uh-huh. I can't tell what that's supposed to be. It looks obviously like a woman. Mm-hmm. Are we supposed to know who that is, other than maybe the woman that's visiting Luke Carter? Uh, I don't know how to answer that. Okay, I've got it. I, don't answer. Yeah have Have you done all four of the bosses, Andrew? Or not no? all four of them yet? But was interesting because I then started poking around other parts of the map, and I found another hidden area near Leshy. I don't know if you yeah. found this one yet, Michael. I think the the other one might be the one that I found first. This second one might be the one that I found first. The woodcarver. Yes. Ah. So I found her, him, whoever, whatever. That one explains that maybe this uh, thing is all corrupted from old data on the disk, I guess. Oh, I think you need to learn some more about the old underscore data. Oh. (laughs) It sounded to me like maybe that picture was like old data on the disk, and it was corrupting the the current disk or something like that. Oh, yeah. I think think you're you're drawing conclusions. They're just not quite all the way right yet i see uh i have not found anything else hidden other than some sort of thing in grimora's area that i have to bring a tribute to but i don't know what the tribute is yet 
Uh, yes. So I, I pieced that one together. Oh, you, you found the tribute? Yes. I highly recommend doing that. Okay. Figuring out what that is. Is that story it. related as well? Uh, you should do it. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. How many other things are there to find, JJ? That What are we missing so far? I assume, so unless have Michael, you, have you found more? Ha- have you visited the mycologist yet? Yes, I have three spore cards so far. I assume they're just for making the game easier, unless I need to collect more spore cards. You should do all the mycologist stuff. Okay. Copy that. I just didn't want to sit there doing uh, mycologist stuff for every single card if I didn't need to. No, I, you're... <laughs> You've done three. You're almost there. You're getting have, real close. I've done three. Yeah. 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 There's he'll, not. He'll repeat when you know you're done. Oh, okay. Yeah. You'll I've, get a thing. I have not you get seen a thing. Or, you know, you're done. Okay. Got it. I have not gotten a thing or repeated anything. So, uh, so you saw the thing under Grimora's thing. Yep. I have not okay. bought, I have not fought the wizard yet because I was doing the infinite foil thing to decide if I wanted to get more cards. <laughs> The infinite foil thing is helpful anyway because you may not have enough to of a card to go to the mycologist. Oh, and yes. then I could just buy it. You can just buy them, yeah. So that that's helpful because having a ton of foils is useful to like. Oh, I need to buy one more of this card. I don't have it, or this person sells it for like fifty foils or whatever. So okay. that can be helpful. Cool. Um, after we beat those bosses, though, do we have much left in Act Two after that, or is it kind of it? I'm trying to remember. There are some minor things. Um, you can refind the four leaf clover. Oh, yep. It exists in Act Two. Okay. What is the boss you have left? Also, the computer. No, um, I I skipped and did. I did the computer and the wizard. Um, I just have the the graveyard left. Graveyard. Oh, Grimora. Grimora. Yeah. Okay. There's yeah. Okay. There's not Grimora is pretty easy. I have to say. I just I needed I needed better cards for the deck that I was playing, and so I moved on and tweaked my deck, and I just needed to come back. Ah. I think there's some hidden stuff in the robot area, but I don't think any of it is. I see. Th- I think JJ, what I think you there's meant. One more. I think, I think though, there's one more. I think I, I see what you meant, maybe. I don't know, Michael, what you think. Maybe Act 1 had more character to it than Act 2. I think it did. Like, it definitely had more... It had more atmosphere. More mystery. The game, in is in and of itself, was simpler, in a way, and more enjoyable to, like... The reaction from Leshy being across the table from you and all that sort of stuff kind of gave it more of a fun feel. This feels more like a actual just a card game game, which might be the point. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But I think I get what you mean by the, the act one being your your preference, maybe. I think the I think the thing about act one is there. Yeah, there's like way more personality in it. Mm-hmm. I think like somewhat intentionally, right? Because that was like Leshy in full control of the game deciding like here's what it is and what it will be or whatever sure and this one is like some kind of i don't know somewhat neutral or something sure where they're all represented and they kind of have to fight each other Hmm. yeah that's okay. where we're at yeah, th- i think you got there's like i think that's most of the stuff that matters act three next week then probably I'm, i know i'll have some time i gotta finish a few edits of things but Sounds like maybe JJ, since you've already finished Inscription, uh, what have you been up to? I played Death Loop. Oh, uh, <laughs> Merry Christmas! How, yeah, <laughs> how is that? Uh, that that game was pretty fun. I think I really enjoyed. So, uh, I guess to like quickly talk about what that game is, it is a time looping kind of game. I think going into it, I thought it was going to be more like a rogue light, light than it is. Um, there's kind of it, in the end, there is really only one way to sort of do the thing the game is asking you to do. So it's more of okay. a puzzle game than a rogue like. 
Yeah, but you do have a lot of freedom in the like intervening loops to try and figure out like, oh, okay, like here, I, I want to go explore this area and see what happens. Because uh, you're a guy who is trapped on an island where the same day is repeating infinitely and you are one of only a couple people who can remember that. Well, the other and, people are choosing not to remember, right? Oh, no. They think that they're going to remember. They just think it's the first day every time. Oh, okay. It's supposed to work like this for everyone, but for whatever reason... It's not uh, working. It doesn't. Okay. Yeah. The uh, You play as Colt, and the way... Uh, your plan is to break the loop somehow, to stop it, right? To get out. Sure. Uh, and there kind of is, at the end of the day, only one way to do that, um, which was a little disappointing but you have so many different ways to do things in the meantime um you know before you to figure out how is the one way to get through this to do the thing right oh okay uh, that's seriously and in the meantime uh you know you there's like four or five different areas you can you can visit and you can visit them at different points in the day so like if you visit them Right when you first wake up, they'll be a certain way. If you visit them later in the afternoon, they'll be different. If you visit them in the evening, they'll be different. Or if you visit them at night, they'll be even like a different way, right? And generally, it's like later in the day is more difficult slash more like things are harder at night, basically, because like, you know, the day is ending. People are getting more amped up. There's more crazy things going on. So generally, like you want to do, you know, certain sets of things in the morning to like try and set up to be able to do other things later at night or you you know, if you go to a location in the morning, doors will be closed, but then they open later and you can go into that building, right? And explore this area or these parts of the map that you weren't able to get to. Huh. Yeah. And so this is a game from uh, Arcane Studios. So uh, the people who've made the Dishonored games. The good the good games, as far as I've heard. I haven't played them yet. Yeah. Um, it's very clear, though, because you start getting... Uh, like powers essentially Dis- dishonored powers <laughs> uh-huh. yeah you get a blink right you uh, get a okay like a short range okay. teleport you get a uh, it, then you start getting some like really cool powers like there's one of these um that basically makes you uh it lets you like pick people up and like throw them around <laughs> essentially mm. you could just like grab an enemy and like toss them off to the side and then it deals you know damage based on you know where they go and whatever uh, there's another one that the more times you get shot, the more damage you deal. Oh, the uh, Black Panther power. We like call that one. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's actually a really good yeah, thing about good. that. Uh, there's one that makes you like pseudo invisible, basically, where like unless you're standing right next to and in front of someone, they're not going to notice you. So you can just like disappear. And I think my favorite one in the game is an ability that like links people together. So anything you do to one of them happens to all of them. How many can you link? Oh my gosh. How many can you fit in a small area? (laughs) Because it's that many. And so that includes shooting them. So if you shoot one of them in the head, they all die instantly. It's great. (laughs) Or you blow (laughs) them up. They all blow up, light it on fire. They all catch on fire, whatever. It's very silly. Easily my favorite power. That's great. And then you get, you know, collectible guns and all these sorts of things, which then there's a currency you can collect, like a weird time distortion juice or whatever. I forget the exact name of it uh, that you can use to infuse your weapons and your like uh, your items and stuff that you collect so that you can keep them between loops. So eventually you're like, you know, start getting sets of guns that you like. You can infuse the gun and get like be able to keep it next time because the gun has like some perk that you really like, like, you know, plus 20% 20% stability or whatever, right? Uh, and so then you have your loadout that gets progressively better and better because you've spent more of this juice on sweeter and sweeter guns. It's really fun, man. I really enjoyed it. And I think the the fact that there's only one way through really in the end to getting the like the loop to break or whatever isn't really let down by the fact that there's so much other stuff you can do. I think the only thing I wish is there would be a reason to explore more of the other maps at other various times. Like I definitely didn't need to go to every map at every time to solve it. That's the groundhog day idea, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you could do a bunch of fun stuff and do whatever you want, but eventually you have to walk the path. Yeah, totally. And it is like, you know, it is fun to, uh, try it because 
again, to like get the perfect path, you sort of have to do the exact right set of steps. And if you get shot or killed halfway through, well, <laughs> time to end the day and start over. Cause it's not going to work, you know, right. when, you're, when you're on the run, Got essentially. It. Right. How so long was it? It was really fun. Maybe like, 20 hours or something by the time I got all the way through it. Oh, okay. Not terribly long. Light long enough. Yeah. Uh, and there's definitely like puzzles and stuff. I didn't solve every puzzle. There are more um, like, I don't figure what the like top tier, but like the loot is colored, right? There's like, you know, gray and blue and purple and legendary or whatever. I didn't find all of the legendary weapons. Some of them are hidden behind puzzles and stuff and I just never bothered. And so, like, there were definitely some of the weapons I never got the, like, really cool special versions of. And maybe that would have enticed me to play more if I had found the, like, unique shotgun or whatever. Uh, but I just never did that stuff. Yeah, it feels like a, we were gamers don't have time for that moment. Where it's like, do you really need that shotgun to finish the game? Will it change anything? No. Right. Probably not. Yeah. Right on. Michael? Yeah, I've also been uh, been playing something new. Uh, I... I- just finished it actually but i sat down for a healthy helping of nostalgia and fired up link's awakening on the switch Ooh, what brought that on i wanted a change of pace uh i had been playing i had started playing through breath of of the wild again uh and i just i was feeling like i wanted more of a classic zelda uh, and so I had I had some free time and was like, you know what, let me give this a try. And it, it brought back lots and lots of good time childhood memories. So you played that as a kid then, I'm guessing. I, I had that game, when I was a kid, I had that game completely memorized. Including what? the trading quest? Yeah, the whole thing. Except for Dang, the one, the one wow. piece of heart that I could never find. Because in, in the original... Call Nintendo. In the original, I I looked it up years later once GameFAQs was a thing. Um, But in the original game, you can't see underneath the water because it's it's on Game Boy and it's just two colors. Uh, And one of the pieces of heart is hidden underwater in one particular spot on the map. Oh, so impossible to see. (laughs) Yeah, you have to just dive in the right spot. Everyone talked about them re-releasing that game on the Switch and the only thing I ever heard about it was that the frame rate was horrible and everyone wanted their money back. And I thought, well, that's weird. It was supposed to be a good game. I we- thought it was really good. Yeah, I played it. I liked it. Okay, so uh, uh, maybe people overblow it, their issues, you know. I know uh, some personalities that said that they had asked for their money back and stuff like that. I was like, well, this is a first-party Nintendo product that seems like it's... I, I haven't played it, so I couldn't verify, but it seemed unlikely that it would be game-breakingly bad it also not, the not frame rate of the original Link's awakening is like two so <laughs> yeah i mean how many frames you getting on that game boy dude yeah uh, i think the the thing that got me about it is yo it's just that game boy game though like yeah there's a few places where they help you out but like don't expect help this is that game boy game yeah if you got if you got lost it had no idea what you were doing back then gonna still get lost (laughs) and that definitely happened to me i had to look stuff up yeah so they made some really nice quality of life improvements so i don't know if you played the original jj but imagine playing the game the switch version but instead of just being able to use them the dash boots and the power bracelet are equipables that's just insane no yep so anytime you want to use them you have to equip them into one of your two slots awful yeah, so that was really nice. Um, trying to think what else. They pulled in the um, the color dungeon from the Game Boy Color version of the game. I don't know if you found that. It's a hidden dungeon in the graveyard. Yes, I did go to the color dungeon. It is cool. Yep, um, so that was good. And then I really liked the, uh, the one completely new thing, which was the uh, dungeon designer. Oh, did you make a dungeon? Uh, I made a bunch. And what did you do with them? What what do you do once you make dungeons? So you, over the course of the game, you slowly acquire tiles that reflect the dungeons that you've been to. Sure. And so the more dungeons you play, the more tiles you get to create dungeons. Um, and you are given objectives a lot of the time. Um, 
So you'll have a dungeon that's laid out in the shape of your sword, and you have to fill in all the tiles to make a cohesive dungeon uh, complete with its own boss. And then once you have it all laid out, you can actually play through it yourself. And the more of them you complete, the more rewards you get. What are the rewards? Um, there's a couple of pieces of heart. There's a full heart container. There are several more um, dungeon tiles. So are there- uh, and then towards the end of the game, there's a, a pack of a dozen that are more difficult. And you get a giant gold 300 rupee for everyone you complete. Are there more pieces of heart in this game then than in the other game? No, um, but they they just moved them around to make you play the dungeon game. If you want to get all of them, you you don't need the extra hearts. Oh, I'm sure you I don't. Know. I was just, just Zelda. <laughs> I was just curious where they came from, right? Like at all? I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I definitely got all the hearts in Ocarina of Time. You know what I mean? Like that was my first real try at a Zelda when I was a kid. I I will say I barely engaged with the dungeon maker thing only up to a point where I got, I forget what it was one. There's like a better sword or one of the upgrades was in there that I wanted or a tunic, maybe something like relatively low on the list of things. Um, and then was just like, all right, I'm good. I'm not dealing with this anymore. And then I never <laughs> dealt with it again. Yeah. Nice. But yeah, it, it's definitely cool. I have it. I would like to play it. I want to finish inscription. I'm really trying to focus on one game at a time. Yeah, you'll enjoy it. But I think to JJ's point, it is definitely opaque in the way that games in the nineties were opaque. You mean, cause they were just black and white. Ha <laughs> No, um, <laughs> just in the sense that, you know, it, it gives you a couple of hints to start off with and then just kind of lets you go. Yeah. I've definitely noticed, uh, booting up some old Game Boy games that I have found. You just start sometimes. It's like, here's this RPG. You're in the world now. Congratulations. Go figure out what the story is and what you're supposed to do. Uh-huh. Uh, and I just... I don't know if I missed that or not. Uh, more on that. I'll think about that. We can talk about that more later, next time. In the last five minutes, did you guys watch that Boba Fett? Spoilers. Or yeah, no it was the best episode of Boba Fett because Boba Fett wasn't in it. <laughs> I was going to say because it wasn't an episode of Boba Fett. It might be. Yeah. Uh, okay, this is the last time I'm saying spoilers here. If you have not watched Boba Fett, just but this is the end of the podcast. Just skip to the next podcast. It might be one of the better episodes of The Mandalorian. I just in it was general, pretty good. Yeah, there I liked was a it, lot yeah. of good stuff. Mm-hmm. I would say I liked it significantly more than all the other episodes of Boba Fett so far. I think it might, and I would love to talk to the carbon scoring guys about this soon, indicate that the book of Boba Fett is not a permanent fixture for Disney Plus, and that might be some sort of interlude. I was going to say, it feels like the the way they're doing this, it definitely feels like an interlude chapter within the book of Mando. Doesn't it? It kind of feels like the book of Boba Fett and what he did with his last little bit of time before he did X, Y, Z with the Mandalorian or before, uh, they had to make a bunch of lead ins for other shows, which they will now do as he's gathering his forces. And then because this show didn't do well, they will not continue the adventures of Boba Fett <laughs> and we'll oh. go see the spinoffs. <laughs> oh, interesting. I don't, I, I didn't get the idea that it wasn't doing well. I, I guess I've just seen a lot of people online being like, this show is bad. I don't like it. And people talking about how they're not watching it anymore. So I obviously I'm still watching it, but I mean, given that it's not on cable, does Disney plus have to care that much? No. I mean, obviously they're not going to want to keep dumping money into something that's not popular, but I didn't get the opinion that it was not Pop, I mean, I'm obviously exposed to Kit, who's absolutely in love with it, which you'll hear this week on Carbon Scoring uh, when that comes out. God, that's so much work that we, we talk so long. <laughs> <laughs> and with all the new editing stuff that I'm doing, it takes a little while. I think it, I mean, it was obviously sold as an ongoing series. I think the actors are big name actors, but it definitely, that episode definitely felt like, hmm. 
Is the book of Boba Fett about actually Boba Fett long term? I don't know. We'll see. Is Tamira Morrison a big name actor? Yeah, I would say so. He is. I mean, what else yeah. Is he doing. I mean, what else is he doing currently? I mean, he was in a bunch of Star Wars stuff before. Sure, but he was in. Um, okay, let's see. Off the top of my head, uh, Aquaman, um, okay. Moana. I mean, being a voice actor is different from being an actor, though, right? Sure, but it's Lots not like he's just actor. like disappeared. Um, God, okay. I'm trying. To- I- it's fair. He's in. He's been in my blind spot a lot, and so I've like oh, I saw I, him coming I, back for this. I was like, "Oh, they got the guy who used to do this before." That's interesting. I wouldn't call him prolific. Like, I would say, you know, like since Star Wars, has he done a whole bunch of stuff? Probably not. Okay. But I just don't feel that there are a bunch of big name actors in this until the Mandalorian episode when <laughs> all the Mandalorian people showed up. That's true. Yeah. Well, Ming Na Wen's not a small. Uh, get no i wasn't say i i didn't ask about her <laughs> <laughs> I, I asked about him yeah fair that's they fair got, uh, they got milton who else do you need they did get milton <sighs> and whoever's playing San- santo <laughs> <laughs> that wookie well uh, i'm glad we all liked that one i'm sorry jj if you're not enjoying book of boba fett I mean, like I, there may, I'm still watching. It. I clearly like it enough to keep watching. There may be relief in sight for you based on that episode. <laughs> yeah, I, I really enjoyed this most recent episode for sure. I yeah. liked it a lot. I thought it was just, a, it was, it was definitely telegraphed in episode four that we were going to see someone, if not him, someone from that show. Uh, but I did not expect it to be that much time. That was crazy. Uh, yeah. I, will, I will say, um, my wife's biggest, uh, outcry at the very end of that episode she thought we were going to get to see grogu and was like so mad that grogu no no they're not they're not going to give you both a surprise mando and grogu in the same episode they got to draw it out yeah they got to get you back for the the grogu because he's got to give him his little chainmail shirt they were bringing it up you know she was like oh like he's gonna go fly we're gonna see grogu yes and it's like cut to credits she's like no i don't know i don't know how a bounty hunter is going to operate with a Naboo starfighter. What are you going to do with your bounty? <laughs> I, yeah, I guess I made that point also. Like this starfighter has no cargo space really at all. I mean, it's like barely fit yeah. a, like a droid that they, you know, clearly that's the Grogu cockpit or whatever. Yeah. But like, where is the space for all the bounty stuff? I think it's telegraphing. <laughs> you that guys, we're, we're kind of done with that. He can bring them in warm. He can bring them in cold. That's he true. Can bring them in cold. <laughs> that's true. He could do that. <laughs> Like a dead body in in that bubble behind Some him. head floating around in there. Uh, that's all he needed from from the bounty he collected at the beginning. That's true. Fair. I think that Naboo Starfighter definitely telegraphs what they're thinking going forward about the Mandalorian show, right? Like she told him he has to go to Mandalore, the uh, armorer. And uh, I think my favorite part of that was that they got a BD robot in there from... Um, the Fallen Order game. I was going to say, I wonder yeah. if, I was going to ask if you had noticed that. Yep. I I definitely did. I sat up quite a lot and I pointed at it like in that movie. Uh, that Leonardo is, DiCaprio, Leonardo meme. DiCaprio, yeah. DiCaprio meme. I, I pointed at it. I said, Katie, it's a PD robot. And she's like, I don't, what is, why do I care? And then <laughs> uh, there were Rex robots everywhere and, and I had a great time looking at droids. And shiny armor. I know it's your first flight and it's mine too. (laughs) If only, right? We couldn't get it all. I like that there's so many Rex droids hanging around that they can just be like, Disneyland, give us some more Rex droids. (laughs) (laughs) They just go to storage and grab a crate full of them. JJ? Yes, hello. Do the thing. All right. Well, for next time, if folks want to hear more about Inscription, you can send us emails to podcast at weweregamers.com. We are also on the internet at We Were Gamers on social media, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube. Search for We Were Gamers, all one word. Subscribe. Hit that bell icon to get notified of all our sweet new videos. They're very good. I'm trying. Check those out. I'm trying to make them interesting. I mean, they're, they're fun. I'm learning a lot of stuff that I have forgotten. I knew how to do a lot of this stuff, but uh, go 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 support my work amount amount of work hours that I do for you for free. <laughs>
by watching the video. You heard the man. Get on it. Do the thing. Yeah, subscribe on YouTube so we can have at the we were gamers slash youtube.com slash we were gamers. That'd be cool. I think what I appreciated most is that they actually bothered to explain the Mandalorian stuff this time. That's why I liked this better than that episode of the Mandalorian where all this stuff got brought up initially. Oh, about the sword and needing to win it in combat and what it means. You're not yeah. wrong. They did a good job. They they introduced the Vizlas. Hey, Michael. Yeah. You should watch that Clone Wars show. <laughs> you want to know tie in just a little bit? You want to know about them Vizlas? Eh, what if I don't? Uh, I Michael is watching it is what I'm saying. Oh, okay. I didn't know you were already watching it. Yeah, yeah, yeah I'm already watching it. Yeah. He, he told me the other day, he's like, so I'm watching Clone Wars. I was like, okay, just stick it out. <laughs> just, you, <laughs> If you were interested enough to start, then stick it out. <laughs>